Welcome to the Mile 99 interview series with your hosts, Greg Larkin, Mike Turner, and Jessica Harris. Enjoy this episode, and we'll hope to see you on the trails soon. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Mile 99 interview. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Turner. So the Mile 99 is a place where we hang out with our community, share the stories, successes, failures, share some of our deepest trail secrets, all that good stuff. It's also a place for us to hang out and kind of talk about races, get race news, race updates. And tonight's going to be an extra special night about everyone's favorite race. We record in front of a live Zoom audience, so it's nice to see everybody's faces today. One take, no breaks. So what is what we say here is on the record forever, so everyone's aware of that. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jessica Harris and Greg Larkin. Hi, Jessica. Hey. Oh, my gosh. So I've lived in the Valley my entire life, Sacramento, greater region, and I've never had allergies. And I got hit with allergies. And oh, my gosh, I'm not feeling super hot tonight. I'm a little runny, but my whole face. So now I feel not so great that I've rolled my eyes at other people saying they've had allergies for for years. <laughs> but besides that, I'm doing good. I have some races coming up and it's nice that our area is getting some races going. How are you, Greg? Doing all right. Uh, I'm trying to get my mileage built up a little bit. As I've mentioned, I've had the old plantar fasciitis injury here for a while, but just starting to get a little going. I was out there uh, this weekend pacing a friend of ours, Caleb Armstrong. He uh, had a big goal of doing 100 miles on the stagecoach trail, if anybody's familiar with that. <laughs> 24 wow. laps. He got to 15. He did 100K. I, I was out there with him a little at night. That was cool to see people just still kind of coming up with these crazy ideas and trying things and pushing themselves. So I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of that as the races uh, get going again. That's awesome. So I'm going to be taking care of all the interactive portions of the interview tonight. I'm on Facebook live right now. So if anyone has questions, you can DM me or you can just post them on the live. And then here on Zoom, we have a chat too. So if you put any questions up, I'll make sure to get them answered. We'll have a kind of Q&A towards the end for any of the questions that we don't get answered during the interview. And then we do have a Patreon. We are set up and we do have some members, Super Dave. We have Beth Lang and we have Sarah, who's one of our previous guests. Um, for a dollar a month, you can help support us and make sure that we are getting you the content you need. So go ahead and subscribe to that. Pretty exciting. Thank you, Jessica. Mm -hmm. So before we get started, I do want to quickly say uh, that our, our thoughts and our hearts are with the families of our 12 brothers and sisters in China. Uh, such a tragedy and just getting out because you love to run just such a tragedy so I just want to say that we're thinking of them and we're sending our thoughts over there tonight we are very pleased to welcome back to the show the Western States crew Craig Thornley Diana Fitzpatrick and Dr. Andy Pasternak back to the show recall we were all together here back in February where we kind of you know, we just got out of the winter and we had an update and where, where things were at it's kind of trying to find out where the race was kind of uncertain at that time. So they're back now and to chat about Western states and get us up to speed, talk about where everything is, all the new rules and what's what's the same. So as you guys know, Craig, uh, the race director for Western states, as you know, Diana is the president of the Western states board of directors and Dr. Andy Pasternak is the medical director of Western states. So welcome back everybody. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks. It's been a, a long time. A lot has happened since February. I think, like I said, things were a little bit uncertain at that time, or at least there was a lot of 
a lot more questions than answers at the time, but you guys came on and we talked about a lot of interesting things. So we're a lot farther down the road. So maybe Craig can just kind of kind of give us an overview of kind of where things are. There's a bunch of dates coming up. There's a bunch of training weekends and camps and kind of just kind of give us a summary of what's happening right now. Well, we have our training runs this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, uh, where we covered the last 70 miles of the course over three days. And um, it's looking like it's going to be fairly close to normal. Uh, we There's a couple adjustments there uh, because of California Department of Public Health guidelines. We're not going to be able to have day of registration, no, no day of wait list, um, which is uh, probably going to affect some people. But I put the word out. Uh, two days ago, and I got a ton of emails asking to, to register. So uh, the reason for that is because uh, I think the intent was to be able to contact Trace if, if something happened. So they didn't they didn't want big events to allow day of race registrations. Buses will be normal. Uh, the aid stations will be touchless. We'll still have food at the finish lines. Um, it'll be it'll be fairly close to normal. We're, we're pretty darn happy. And we're 31 days away from the race. And I don't know how many days until June 15th when the state of California opens it up, which completely changes can, uh, changes the situation for, for everybody in the, in the state. Our training run is before that June 15th date and the race is after it. So it's kind of made, um, made planning a little bit challenging. Uh, we offered rollovers to our overseas runners, which was 68 overseas runners and all, but I think we have 12 left. Uh, the vaccination situation and travel situation for overseas runners was significantly different than the United States. We exhausted the wait list. We have no more wait listers. We decided we were just going to let the uh, number of starters go below 369. And we're still able to use a five-year rolling average to get 369 starters. So we'll, we'll make up for those, um, those runners that are short of 369. We'll make those up over the next four years or so by adding 10 or 11 runners per year. Uh, we won't be able to make up for the zero from last year. We got in trouble in 2008 when we tried, when the race was canceled because of fires. And then we tried to, we tried to adjust by having 423 and 405. And then that was just a disaster when when those big numbers fell out of the five-year rolling average. Uh, Remember you talked about that last time uh, that the, how that works and the complications I would, from a simple perspective is it's more complicated than that seems getting that balance, but for the record, I'm available just so everyone's aware. <laughs> so you guys have, uh, is that, is that camp at the camp out the trail work weekend coming up? Is oh that yeah. Sorry. I forgot about that too. Yeah. We're doing our annual. It's normally called the Robinson flat camp out weekend where we do two days of trail work we're doing that on the weekend before the race a location to camp camp out will probably be either talbot or duncan canyon diversion because robinson flat campground is closed right now due to hazard trees so yeah you can sign up on wstrail.org if you want to if you want to get some get your hands dirty how much trail work remains do you think that weekend's going to get you there or is it is it just going to be just be ready to jump over trees a little bit, a little more. No, they won't. You won't be jumping over any trees. Logging out, logging out's the easiest thing to do. Several people on here that I see, I know they've been running on parts of the trail, like the top of Devil's Thumb is is all brush 
up to your eyeballs. Uh, so that needs to get done. Uh, Pucker Point needs to be clean, cleared debris that's on the trail. The high country hasn't been touched yet. Granite Chief needs to be logged out, and we have to do that with crosscut saws because you can't use chainsaws. And there's still some work to do on Cal Street. Um, we will be doing trail work between now and that camp out. So it's not going to all get done on that. And, and some of the some of the some of the annual work that we have to do above Duncan Canyon. I don't know if many people are aware of those switchbacks that were added in 2014 before you come into the Duncan Canyon aid station and they added eight tenths of a mile to the course. So we didn't like that. And we get rid of those new switchbacks every year before the race, open up the old trail. And then after the race, we have to undo it again. Um, we've proposed a, a compromise to them. So we don't to the forest service. So we don't have to do this every year, but that's a significant amount of work both before the race and after the race. You know, I mean, we realize there's so much work goes into the trail and the maintenance, and we appreciate all the work that all, all our volunteers are doing. And if there's brush and trees, you know, it's still the mountains. I mean, you know, no one's, if, if we if you complain, that's, you're not really ready for the mountains. We appreciate all that you do there, you know, you guys. If we didn't do trail work, it would be an hour and a half to two hours slower. Uh, it, it is definitely needed. I mean, especially for people who are really close to the, to the cutoff. Um, it's, it's important that the trails clear and in years where we've had a lot of snow up high and we, and people don't make the cutoff. So I, I agree with it, Mike, but, but it is important. And, and we want to make it, uh, we want to help people be successful at the race and, and worrying about jumping over trees and, and, running on crappy trail is, is, is something that we want to eliminate and take that obstacle out. Yeah, that's uh that is nice. One question or a long way off, but December, I, I was reading the website and there's some changes to the lottery. You want to maybe quick touch on that? Uh, that was, everyone's was excited to hear about that change. Yeah. So we, we dropped the consecutive year requirement to um, accumulate tickets so the prior system was you got double the number of tickets in each successive lottery that you qualified for and applied for. That led to, I think we had eight-year folks. If you missed a year, then you're, for whatever reason, you you're, you got injured, your job situation, you, you failed to, to finish a qualifier, you would lose your tickets. And it was pretty harsh. So a couple of years ago, we implemented the one-time buy, which allowed people to declare an off year and not lose their tickets. But it was one time in your life. And people were, you know, the people who used it were often uh, struggling with, is this really the time that I want to use this? And it, it just, it wasn't a very kind, uh, kind solution. So we had been considering dropping this consecutive year requirement for quite a few years and the the pandemic and cancellation of all the qualifying races in 2020 and then 2021 just led us to make the change a little bit sooner than 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 we planned uh so if you didn't get a qualifier in the in the last two years in 2020 and 2021 um you're not going to lose your tickets for the 2022 lottery so that's a significant change it's not retroactive so it starts with with the last lottery we had, which was the 2020 lottery. 
that's the number of tickets you you start with. If you declared the buy in 2020, you'll have your ticket counts from 2019 lottery. As a result of those changes, we no longer need the one-time buy, so we drop that. We also no longer need the pregnancy lottery deferral, which allowed pregnant women to skip two or more lotteries. Um, we extended the pregnancy entry deferral, which allowed women, which allows women who get pregnant after they're in the race to defer their entry to one or two years. And we've extended that. So anytime in the future, if a woman is in the race and she becomes pregnant, she can defer her entry and, and claim that in any year in the future, as long as she qualifies for that, for that year. Those, those are all great. Those are great changes because yeah. any of us that run, you know, we can run for three, two or three, four years, five years, but to qualify six years, seven years, that's, that's like, that's a lot of us. That's our entire running career sometimes. Yeah. Six, seven, eight years. So it's uh, makes a nice change. You can take a break for a year or two, catch up on life and then go through another phase of running or whatever it takes. Yeah. And we, you know, there's some, there's some concern or we were concerned and I know runners are concerned that this may increase the number of tickets uh, because people will now not, not be squeezed out when they lose, when they miss a year, they won't go back to one. So the number of multi-year folks is going to increase. And we asked our friend um, Ryan Whitco from New York to do an analysis of us of the lottery. And he gave us a 16 page report. <laughs> so one of, one of the problems we are anticipating if if we do have a significant increase in the number of tickets, we, we run into the problem of, of just the physical limitation of having a lottery that's a manual draw. So we want to have that manual draw. We don't want to go to an electronic draw. Um, so Ryan has given us a couple ideas on how to continue to, to use a manual draw, but have a, a, a process ahead of time that that reduces the number of manual tickets. So some of the randomness gets taken out early before the lottery, but we still have the physical lottery with the celebrity drawers. And, you know, the, the lottery is a really big event for the race and for the community. So we don't we don't want to we don't want that to go away. So Ryan's helped us uh, anticipate some of the changes in the future. One of the other changes I think we talked about in February that we, we are considering is maybe changing the multiplier. So instead of two to the n minus one, it could be three to the n minus one or, or some other way to, to increase the number of tickets at a greater rate. Um, if we do that, which the system can, we could change that in a heartbeat uh, and it wouldn't affect anything other than the number of tickets, the physical tickets, then we would probably have to employ one of these, one of these uh, strategies that Ryan Whitco has outlined for us to, to reduce the number of physical tickets on race day. So we didn't make these changes in a vacuum and we're, we're anticipating, you know, if the, if the number of applicants goes down, this system will, will, will scale down. If the number of applicants go up, then we can anticipate, you know, what we, we, we will have already anticipated what, what we will do in the future if we get more tickets. Well, we know you guys always, uh, always do your best to be fair and balanced and, you know, and try, you know, we appreciate that. I mean, uh, it's complicated. You get a lot of entrance and, a lot of people are upset, happy, disappointed, and sure you get you get to hear all that, all that stuff, you know, personally. So, 
Uh, you know, looking at the questions, speaking of questions you get from people and entrance, are you, this is the time of year where you get a lot of questions, right? I mean, you're always emailed all day long, probably responding. What are some of the questions you're getting this year? I suppose, I mean, obviously the COVID related, but what kind of questions are you getting these days? Uh -huh. Well, <laughs> a lot of, um, there's definitely a lot of uncertainty for people over the last few months. We tried to be I tried to be very clear and, and open and honest in, in, in our thinking with the runners and with the runner updates. And, you know, we're not, we didn't want to make decisions too early because we'd be locked into decisions that would look stupid or be stupid come race day. And then we're still trying to resist making decisions too early. I mean, we're four weeks out from the race and, you know, Andy and Diane, uh, Diana and I talked today about what are we going to do with testing of runners and, and verification. Uh, they don't have code. And if we make decisions today, it could possibly be the wrong decision that the research and the information is changing so quickly. Um, so runners are asking about, um, you know, what, what the, what the criteria or what the, what the mitigation uh, measures are going to be. And, you know, there's a lot of that. It's, it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's minor. It's minor. Hey everybody, this is Greg Larkin, one of the co-hosts of the Mile 99 Interview Podcast. Just want to take a minute here to give a shout out to Krista Cavender. We just worked with her. Uh, she's a graphic design artist and she redid our logo for us. We're really excited about it. We've put it out on all of our social media here as of uh, late January and uh, we highly recommend her services. If you're looking for graphic design work, logo design for your business, something like that, uh, please give her a shout. Her Instagram is Krista with a K, Cavender, and you can also find her online at kcavenderdesign.com. Highly recommended. She does great work, really clean, beautiful graphics. I think you'll be really pleased. Uh, I know we were. So as always, take care and we'll see you on the trails. So Andy, thanks for coming on. You were just uh, maybe you can give us a kind of rundown of what what is the what do we know at this point as far as for insurance and volunteers and aid stations and spectators. What do we know? Well, you know, I, I just it's been really fun working with Craig, working with the board on these things. You know, and and so much of I, I think what's really been a hard balance is balancing when the new research comes out, when new science comes out versus what some of the, the, the county, the state, some of the public health measures. And, and you know, a lot of times, it's, you know, the, the state and the county, they're trying to base their things on what are, what's sort of the most up-to-date research, but there's always going to be a lag. I mean, something comes out and it takes them, you know, a couple of weeks to kind of say, okay, we need to do this or, or do that. So, you know, right now, what we're really just trying to do is still encouraging as many people to get vaccinated as possible. Uh, at this point, we're still going to be asking all of our volunteers, uh, all of our volunteers to be vaccinated. And I think that's really helped us get a lot of our permitting. You know, when we go to the state, we can say, hey, you know, here's what we're doing to try to mitigate COVID risk. And one of the things that we're doing this year is we're saying we, we want to have all of our volunteers vaccinated. So that's been a big, big one. In terms of our runners, 
again, we're going to be encouraging people to get vaccinated, but for a lot of reasons that I think we may have talked about previously, especially with our international runners, you know, they may not have access to vaccine right now. So we're going to, right now, what we're sort of talking about doing is for our runners who are vaccinated, they come in, you know, if they're vaccinated, they're fine. We'll, we'll have them run. For our runners who aren't vaccinated, um, we are going to be looking at at requiring some testing either on the Wednesday or the Thursday before the race. And we're, we're kind of trying to work out the details of, you know, could they do that on their own? Are they going to be able to do that in Olympic Valley? So we're going to, we're going to, we have some work to do on that in the next couple of weeks. But part of the reason for that, again, is, you know, we want to be, we don't want Western states to become a super spreader event. We don't want, you know, we don't want to contribute to, to COVID upticks. So, and and we have runners coming from all over the country. So at this point, that that's kind of what we're thinking. And, and then, you know, again, we're going to continue to kind of work with some of the public health folks, see what's out there and, and, you know, and what adjustments we may need to change. Could we pull back on some of these things? And, but we'll kind of have to see what, what, what some of the public health folks have to say. I think the one good thing is we are really discovering that the, the the chances of getting COVID outdoors are very low, you know, uh, and I think there's becoming more and more, there's more and more research. There was a, a great research study looking at, it was looking at rugby and there were a few people who had COVID, they played rugby and there was really no spread of COVID that could be attributed to actually playing rugby. There was spread of COVID, but it was all in the social situations, you know, after, after the rugby match, when they went to the bar and had beer and, and hung out, that's where the COVID you know, really seemed to spread. So, yeah. So at this point it's, you know, I, I think the actual race, we know that the risk of, uh, you know, spread uh, outdoors is going to be low. But again, we want to, you know, make sure that we're not causing any upticks and, and that we do what we can to keep keep things under control. It's, uh, it's all, yeah, it definitely is. A, we've come a long way from a year ago, not knowing if you could touch a door handle and everyone was worried. I mean, it was so unknown a year ago. So. Yeah, I mean, it really was. And, you know, and I look at, I mean, look, I was as bad, you know, my wife's a physician. I was, I mean... You know, we were uh, some of the stuff that we were doing a year ago um, when we didn't know as much about spread. We were much more worried about spread through fomites or through touch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, scrubbing things down. Look, but we still know things like hand washing are there's other reasons to do hand washing. There's other hygienic things. So, you know, I think one of the things that COVID's really going to do for ultra running is it is going to make some, you know, the medical directors, the race directors kind of look at some of our other hygienic practices, which I think is, is good. I mean, you know, I, I've always said, I've always worried about a case of, you know, E. coli or Giardia or, you know, some sort of food poisoning at, at one of the races. So I, I think in some ways, you know, this will help race directors, medical directors kind of look at these things and try to avoid some of those other infectious diseases down the line. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely notice a lot less colds just everywhere. We have- I wish I wish it worked on allergies, but it doesn't work on allergies. <laughs> so how how does the start of the race look? Olympic Valley is always a party, and there's events, there's people, booths. There's you know how does it look? Is are we, is it going to be the same level? State are the runners going to start going to be one start or spectators allowed? Greg, you want to dive in on? Sure, <laughs> sure. It's going to be uh, fairly close to normal. The pre-race briefing is our biggest uh, inside event and that is has been moved to outside like it used to 
used to be. The start will be no waves, just one one start. If, if we vet the runners like we expect to, then that should be fairly safe uh, having them all together. It's not, not going to be a, a danger. There will be spectators. Uh, we're still going to have the expo. There may be some uh, restrictions still at Olympic Valley, but we expect most of those to be lifted after June 15th, like retail restrictions that are that are still imposed on the, the tier, Placer County's in orange tier. You know, those we expect to be lifted, but right now they're not lifted. So to say absolutely it's going to look normal, I, I can't say that, but we sure as heck expect it to. And then I got a question in real time. If someone wanted to, who's running Western States, wanted to do a delayed start, would that be an issue? No, if they, I don't know why they would want to, but sure. If they, it's not a chip time event. It's a gun time event. So if you want to start oh. late, no one's asked me that yet, but did a runner out, did a, an, an intrade ask that? Who, who asked that? I think so. Yeah. I got a personal message. So. Oh. Maybe they just, their comfort level is to wait a couple minutes and that would be okay. Oh, sure. If you want to. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as, yeah, just don't wait too long. Don't, wait too long. <laughs> don't get behind the sweets. Yeah. Get behind the sweets and start ripping the, the flags off. But um, yeah, we think we're going to have a safe, we, we think it's going to be a safe event. Uh, it, in February, when we talked last, it was, it was definitely a different situation. And, you know, now we're, um, We've gotten so much immunity, both from vaccination and from infection, the natural immunity, um, that it's just, it's a very different situation than it was, you know, for Chaz's race, for the canyons, they were initially, he was initially going to have to use waves. And then right at the, um, like the last two weeks or last week and a half, the state said, this is really kind of silly, which it was silly. Um, they were going to allow 80 person waves and the, the 20 up to hundred was supposed to be volunteers. So 80 runners, 20 volunteers, and the state realized this is really not doing that much. So they dropped it. So no, no one's requiring us to do waves. I think. So family and friends at the start, cause it's, it's always, a, it's a very special moment. Western States is a different place and, you know, it's very special for everybody. Everyone's involved. And so, as long as you're comfortable with being outside in a public space, you know, it should be fine. And if, if you don't, then that's fine too. Yeah. One thing that could, could be different is we only allow runners into the to start area that that still is to be determined whether, whether we restrict crews and inspectors, which we can't really control like we can the runners and the volunteers, you know, we don't have a control point of checking either their, negative PCR test or vaccination status. We can't do that with community, with, with people outside of our, our control. So that, that could be a change, but I don't think that's going to be an issue for very many people. Yeah. I'm just wondering about maybe like Forest Hill, because that's the other big area that people like to go to, to watch, to, to support their runners, all of that. Are there any specific issues like with the town itself there or anything along those lines? Forest Hill? No. no. <laughs> we're, we're in Placer County, right? Yeah. You know, I figured I'd throw it out there. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so but any of the other eight stations, is there any other restrictions at eight stations like you know, maybe one pacer or one crew or anything like that? The, the, the two, again, the inside gathering of folks is, is the most um, likely place where 
the disease can spread, the virus can spread. So we are not going to have a shuttle bus at Robbins Flat. We're not going to have a shuttle bus at Michigan Bluff. Um, we considered eliminating some of those aid stations or, you know, not allowing crews to some of those aid stations, but we didn't want to force, we didn't want to divert all the people who would have gone to those aid stations into, you know, onto dusty corners and, and Duncan Canyon. So we're going to leave them all open and hopefully they'll spread out with the, the, the fewer number of runners. I think we're probably going to be down to about 325. That's going to reduce the number of crews. We always ask that you only have one vehicle per crew at an aid station. We're going to reiterate that, you know, don't have a caravan of folks get, get into one vehicle. Um, yeah. but, but Greg for, for still, you know, outside, th those are not the areas that we're, that we're concerned about, um, yeah. based on the, the science. So other, so you mentioned the shuttle bus changes, any other changes to the buses for folks? Nope. Those are the only two. We're still going to have, uh, the, the small buses by A and O rafting, uh, all outdoors rafting for the near side. Uh, those are short, small buses and. The windows will be wide open. And if you want to walk down, you can walk down. That's good. And Diane, I have a couple questions for you. Just, you know, thanks again for being here. You know, you guys are, this is almost June. This is the go time for everything. And I'm sure this year has a lot more tasks. Every, you know, if you do it every year, it becomes, you get the system, but this year is different. So what, how has it been for you as, a, you know, the board and the president just, it's been, I mean, what's it been like this year? Well, actually it's kind of funny because I took over as president and the first year I was president was when we canceled the race. So this will actually be my first time as president with the race being held. So, uh, but I've been on the board other years leading up to the race. And um, I guess this year the board has been pretty involved in, you know, hearing from Craig and checking in um, on what is the same questions everyone's asking, like, how are we going to do this? Is it going to be different? And I think from the board's perspective, it's a, it's been about like making sure we can put it on in a safe and responsible way. Um, but, you know, like when we talked back in February, we were, we didn't even know if we were going to be able to get our permits or, you know, we were talking about wave starts or reducing numbers. Um, we were really far off. So a lot of this buildup has been trying to be really patient and just sit out and let time go by because, you know, in February cases were going up, things looked really bleak and we are in such a different place now. Um, but even now, like Andy mentioned, the California Department of Health and the CDC are coming out with new guidelines and rules like all the time. So even things like, you know, making decisions about masking or the start or those things, it, it's it's paid to wait. It's hard for everybody, you know, even the board, but Craig in the background is figuring out all the different scenarios. So that's happening. Um, and then it's just sort of those final decisions are getting pushed out further than, you know, you, you normally, normally, you know, you would know and have a plan for exactly what is gonna, the start is going to be like. Um, but we don't know that yet. And it, we're hoping that by waiting a little more, we can get more and more close to normal. And are you also interacting them with the sponsors in, in that way too, and just kind of giving them updates and how have they been? I'm, I'm sure they're very accommodating, um, you know, waiting because we all have to wait. But how has that whole thing been with the sponsors? 
Yeah, that, and that sponsors are, are similar to runners. You know, they want to know what's going on too. Can and many of them or most of them haven't activated at events in a year and a half. So this is the first event that they will be activating at. Yeah, and they're 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 the same as runners. They want to know what's going on, but they've been patient. And we brought on uh, a couple new partners, um, um, and yeah, everybody's excited to get back to to putting on events and. You know, one of the big changes this year with with Hoka being our presenting sponsors, we're going to have we're going to have a race day webcast. Probably, it's probably overdue, but Jamil Curry from Aravipa has been up in the bar uh, with his race day webcast. It's just been incredible. Uh, so we have a team um, working on that, and, and it was um, primarily funded by Hoka. It's it's been added added work. But yeah, we're, we're talking, had one call today with a sponsor. I got a call on Friday with a sponsor. So yeah, we're, we're talking to them regularly. Cool. Yeah, the uh, the Cocodona 250 coverage was fantastic. The live streams they had, I mean, on course video, you know, all that good stuff. We got a fresh coat of paint going up uh, Roby Point this weekend, I saw too, with Hoka's uh, blue steps now. So that's a good sign. Everybody's yep. anxious to see those footsteps going up that last mile, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it was really fun to watch that. I, I saw it just a little bit in the morning. Yeah, the, the group that did it, Flahaven Ultra Coaching. Yeah, they were super excited. I don't know if there's anybody on the call here who's in that group. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, they had a really good time painting the footprints. When were when were the red ones laid down? Um, we did it a couple times um, over the, over my tenure. We've done it twice. It's been a couple years. They they were kind of faded and. You couldn't really see that red. The red came from that. That was an adjustment over the orange. There used to be bright orange ones, and that was uh, not viewed favorably by some of the, the neighbors. So we went to red to kind of blend in, make it harder to see. And now we're back to like whatever. People want to complain. They 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 can get a hold of me and complain all they want. It's it's really cool. Those steps, those footprints are really awesome. You're always very diplomatic with the complaints, though, so I'm sure it'll be smoothed over. <laughs> I, I usually am, but but my wife reminds me that I have to go to yoga every single day so that I stay calm, centered, very centered. Because <laughs> I do get a little. Yeah, but I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of people have a lot of opinions. So, so we talked about the start, the stations, and. Uh, how does, does I imagine the finish line will look the same? We have grass this year at Placer High School, maybe I'm hoping. Uh, we have we have artificial turf. Yeah, the artificial turf is a big improvement over the monster truck rally we had in 2019 uh, with the big tractors and dirt and the fence. And blah, blah, blah. I don't think the runners cared in 2019 because you still ran 100 miles. You hit the track. It doesn't matter what the hell it looks like. But for everybody else having to look at that, it was just hideous. So now it's absolutely a beautiful finish line. Uh, the the track and the infielder are awesome. And with our new finish line managers, we're, we're, we're working hard to come up with an awesome layout uh, that works for runner flow, works for crews, uh, works for our vendors. And yeah, it's going to, I think it's going to be pretty close to normal. We thought we might have to adjust the, the award ceremony, but it looks like, we're going to be able to do that fairly, fairly close to normal too. Um, wow. It sounds like it's going to be a pretty good year. hope you can pull some good weather in for us as well. That'd be a nice way to top it off. Well, my friend Kevin here told me that 
that on Monday this week, it's supposed to be a hundred degrees in Auburn. I haven't verified that yet. I, but, I, I uh, just saw that today. <laughs> holy cow. So, um, yeah, you'll get a good, good dose of some heat. Um, Time to get that heat training in, get everybody used to those hundred degree temps and uh, all the spectators out on course. Yeah. There's no snow though. So you won't be probably one step on snow. No. And I don't know why people are asking me this because it's so obvious to me, but, but, but in my mind is on other, all these other details. We are going across on the cable. There's no chance of going across on a boat. There's no water. There's no snow. Nothing's coming down. Folsom's empty. So we will, we will definitely be using the cable and, and, walking across the, uh, yeah. the river. That's going to be great. So drink before you get there because there's no water there. Now <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's going to be good. No snow. It, it could be a fast year. It very well. Yeah. The, it could be a very fast year. If we, if we have moderate, even just normal temps of 90 or 91. Yeah. It could be very fast. Assuming we get all the last trail work done that we, that we're supposed to do uh, that we hope to do. Well, yeah, it sounds like they'll, they'll make it up. Even if there's a little bit of obstacles, they'll make it up with no snow. Yeah. Can you fill us in on some of the, the fast people that are showing up, the men's oh my field and all God. that? Uh, yeah, well, it's for the men's field is primarily a U.S. centric uh, centric field, but it's so deep. Walmsley, you know, was added rare, fairly late. He was going to run Comrades. He, he declined to, to enter in 2020. And he wanted to run Comrades. Comrades got canceled two years in a row. So he, he entered. Uh, we have Tim Tollefson. We have Anthony Costales, who's 213 marathoner. I, I think there's, there's three or four uh, sub 214 marathoners in the field, on the men's field. Uh, Max King is back. And then the women's field, the, the women's field is probably the deepest. And, and it, it, I, I hate to say this. I don't want to be flippant, but it's probably the deepest women's field that we've, we've ever had. There's four overseas women who could possibly be first, could possibly win, win the race. We have Ruth Croft, who just got here today or yesterday from New Zealand. She won Tarawera outright this year. we got Ragna DeBots, uh, world champ. We have, she's from um, Spain. And... We have Audrey Tangai, who won the Carbon X2, Project Carbon X2. She's from France. Um, and then Beth Pascal, who was top, I think she was third last year, fourth. She's been here for a while. She ran the canyons. She won the canyons. Didn't need a golden ticket because she was already in. And then, of course, of course, we have Claire Gallagher and Brittany Peterson and, and, and the top 10 women who came back. I, I don't want to discount them, but there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of awesome athletes at the pointy end this year. It's super, super fun. And they're raring to go. They are absolutely raring to go. Pat, Patrick Reagan was here from, from Georgia and he did a little trail work with us two days ago. And he is just so pumped up. There's, there's pent up demand from, from these guys. I got an email from Tim Tolson a couple months ago. He said, I don't care if we have no pacers, no crew, nothing. I just want to race. And I, I speak on behalf of the whole field. Uh, this was months ago. Yeah. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of demand for a, a competitor race. And, and, you know, this is the first big event in, in the world. So it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch. We'll see if these fast folks who haven't raced that much, you know, are they going to be able to race you know how important is is the races leading up to the race i, I don't know we'll, we'll, we'll see 
but they'll be duking it out. And then we have some pretty more specific questions because I think people from all over don't want kind of a super clear picture of what crew and pacers are able to do. Since we've said the start is looking pretty normal, the finish is looking pretty normal. Um, can we walk again, maybe through what we know so far that we're going to allow, or you guys are going to allow for crew and pacers? Yeah. So we, so crews should be fairly, uh, normal except for those two shuttle buses. Um, mm -hmm. the, the aid stations are still open at Robinson flat and Michigan bluff. The aid stations are still open. We're going to do the exact same parking that we've done in the past. So for Robinson flat, some of the crews some of the crew vehicles will go up and park on the way down. But once those spots are filled, then you park at Sailor Flat and that's a mile and a, it's actually 1.4 miles to the aid station walk. Michigan Bluff is only about a half mile. You park, well, it's a half mile from where the shuttle bus used to be uh, at um, Chicken Hawk where the road to the community of the Great Commission is. So depending on how far away from that you park, it's a half mile or more. To, to that aid station. Crew, crew and should be fairly normal. We may have to extend uh, the, the, the perimeter or mm -hmm. uh, where you can crew so that we spread them out. We're, we're hoping the reduction in numbers of runners is gonna help us in this. We, we were worried about this earlier, uh, but now that the, the, the count is going down, I think it's gonna really help alleviate the congestion. Uh, pacers, we still don't know what we're gonna do in terms of testing or or uh, verification of vaccination status, but um, that should be um, fairly close to normal. That's a pretty low risk. Uh, runners, pacers come in at Forest Hill or Michigan Bluff if you're there after eight o'clock. You know, mm -hmm. you're not with a big group, you're just with your runner, there's no mass start. So it's, it's a pretty low risk. Um, it's a pro, a pro risk group of people. And then um, people are asking any, you know, that last mile people have their whole crew and it gets to their last mile. Everyone comes out. Any restrictions or guidance or, you know, suggestions for people about that? People no, have, have fun. Enjoy it. Follow the follow the blue footprints. Don't follow take the runner off the course. That would and be then, really bad. Don't I'm go just, right after the white after the white bridge. Don't go right. And then I'm just asking some questions because it might not be clear, but we might have said it. But you know, for golden hour, we usually as a community are out there. There's a lot of people. Any restrictions or guidance on that for anyone? Uh, nope, not 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 now. No. And then awards awards after is that look any different it looks like it's going to be normal again again we're really dependent on this june 15th uh, opening if we're still in the tiers then all this is going to change but there's no indication that the governor's going to change this june 15th date when, when we first saw the the date diana said how did you convince the governor to make that june 15th instead of july 1 <laughs> I wish I had that power, but I didn't have that power. But June 15th is, is, is we're really counting on that happening. If, if something crazy changed that, then, uh, wow, it would, it would, uh, wow, it would not be fun for any of us. Um, so, but, but there's no indication, right, Andy? There's no indication that that's going to change. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I think one of the things that's been really Northern California in general, Northern California has done a really good job at vaccinating. 
You know, I mean, you look at you look at some of the count. I mean, I was looking at some of the counties, and you know, they're up above seventy percent of the folks are fully vaccinated, and that's why. I mean, there's a, a couple of COVID things that I'm you know I'm watching, and one of them is COVID Act now, and they have a they have four colors, and you know, everybody's like, when is Ca-? everybody's thinking California is going to be the first state to to go down to green? So you know, I I, I really. Um, you know, rates are going down across the country, but I think, you know, we're really seeing precipitous drops in California because of the vaccination rates are so good. So I think one thing that we've had to consider with Western states, however, is, again, we have people, this isn't a local race. We have people coming from all over the country. And, you know, that's actually one of the biggest considerations that we've had. And we still, you know, especially if people are vaccinated, it's kind of travels opening up. But, you know, for people who are unvaccinated, there are still you know, California still has some guidelines of how long you should quarantine and test. Obviously, our international runners need to get testing. So, you know, I, I think that's been the, the biggest difference with Western states is this isn't, yeah, this isn't just a local 5K that, you know, where people are coming from a 20-mile radius. I have one follow-up yeah. question, Craig, as far as aid stations. Michigan Bluff, it may be tight. So just to be clear, you know, some races have allowed crew outside of the aid station. What's the rule about? Well, we haven't we haven't made that determination yet, but but we may extend the the perimeter of the aid station where you can where you can crew. I, we have not made that decision yet. Okay. And, so, and I see a question back here about the finish line, the pancakes and bacon at the finish line. Yes, that is going to happen again at eight a.m. Uh, the Scots who've been cooking breakfast at the finish line for. I don't know how many years they've been volunteering at Western States for 35 years. I think uh, they will be cooking breakfast again after working Red Star Ridge aid station in the morning. Speaking about volunteered, we've had a lot of, well, a few aid station changes. That's pretty exciting, right? Paulo from who we had last week is now at Robinson flat. Are the, who else is, um, who else changed? That's the only change. That's the only, and we, there's still no, there's still no, no hands bridge aid station, <laughs> right? There's no, no hands bridge aid station, but it will be decorated okay. like, uh, yeah, you it, 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 it wasn't when we moved pointed rocks, when we moved Highway 49 to pointed rocks, no hands bridge as an aid station was not that important as an aid station for runners, right? You didn't, you ran two, two and a half miles downhill, it wasn't that, um. It wasn't that necessary. Um, we were hesitant to, you know, lose the party atmosphere, the 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 dark games and the uh, flags and, and the Christmas lights. But uh, Hoka will be decorating. They will be activating on that bridge, and then it'll be it'll be it'll be awesome. So awesome. And then a couple other questions because we're kind of getting to the end. So I'm just making sure everyone has their questions answered. How, for volunteers at aid stations, they need to be vaccinated. How are volunteer, is it just an honor system? Um, how are you, what's the guidance for aid station captains? Yeah, we don't want to put uh, extra burden on aid station captains for, you know, collecting vaccination status. And we don't really want to collect any of that ourselves. We don't want to, we don't want to be in possession of that. So yeah, it's going to be, you know, most of these are groups, as you know, it's, it's yeah. groups and there's rapport, there's relationships with the, with the members that with the volunteers. So 
if if somebody tells you they're vaccinated and they're not vaccinated, they sure as hell don't want to face my wrath when I find out. Right. Uh, they don't want to do that. They're they're not going to do that. I don't think they're going to do that. Um, so I mean, I, I can let Diana or, or Andy speak to speak to that if 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 one of them does. But that wrath would be on a non yoga day, probably. It would be on a <laughs> don't don't do that. Come on, don't do that. You don't want I to drag on a non yoga day. <laughs> Yeah, That's I pretty think, effective I think, enforcement. <laughs> I think we've all kind of proven that we work as a community coming from everywhere. But, you know, it's a question out there. So we're just making sure we get it answered. Anything from you, Andy, on that? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think what we're trying to get across to people is we want to be good citizens. We want to be good stewards. And if, you know, if if people aren't doing these things, that frankly puts the race, you know, getting permitting and, and working with a lot of these agencies, that just makes Craig's life tougher. And that's when Craig gets angry and needs to, you know, so, I mean, and we all are, I mean, so, so much of this is the work's being done every year. There's a lot of work to get done, but this year we got to do a little extra to prove that we can, you know, pull this off and do it in a safe way. And, and, you know, and again, I think the app, you know, for people who aren't vaccinated, we'd love to see them back next year. Uh, you know, hopefully COVID's all over and, and um, you know, so we'd love, so, so, but for people who want to volunteer, let's, let's get vaccinated. And, you know, in general, I'm just, we're just encouraging people, I mean, get vaccinated because that's, that's, what's going to get us back to normal, and get more racing down the line. So. And, and similar to the, the relaxation of the consecutive year requirement lottery, we, we encouraged our aid station captains to not penalize volunteers who choose not to get vaccinated they're not going to be penalized in in terms of their chances of getting the designated spot from that aid station um and that goes for the captains too the the, the captain change that we had to make you know they're not going to be penalized I, I i don't want to get into judging why someone chose not to get vaccinated they, they chose not to get vaccinated that's that, that's their choice um, we just asked them to to sit out this year and come back in 2022 when, when things are back to normal. And this this was our biggest group of of people in the race, 1,500 volunteers versus 325 runners. I mean, the, the volunteers were the biggest concern from from day one of this pandemic, trying to trying to navigate these waters. And and this was a fairly easy way to navigate these waters. And it's very very powerful with the permitting agencies. Very very powerful. So don't, don't, please don't, don't, don't screw it up, please. Right. <laughs> and then um, does a race still need volunteers? I know Andy put in the chat that you guys are still looking for um, people with a medical background to volunteer, but any other, any other, or where do they go if they do want to volunteer? Yeah, you can go to our, I want to volunteer form on their website. And Laura Matz is the volunteer coordinator and she'll find uh, a job for you. I don't know specifically what places are still looking for volunteers, but I, I know there are needs still, but I can't tell you off the top of my head. Yeah, and we definitely have, uh, we're, we're, I, I think um, there's a lot of, I think a lot of our medical volunteers are excited to come back. It's, you know, getting back to normal. And I know for myself, it's, I'm just looking forward to being out on the trails again. But I think for a lot of our medical staff, people have been tired, exhausted. So the idea of staying up all night. Um, we're seeing a little drop off in some of our medical volunteers. So yeah, if anybody has a medical background and wants to help out, yeah, get on the website and let Laura know and we'll get you plugged in somewhere. Awesome. 
Yeah, thanks for uh, mentioning that. Anybody that might be listening on the podcast, you know, after this live session, um, yeah. So, uh, as Andy said, definitely get on uh, email volunteer at wser.org um, for any kind of anybody that wants to volunteer for a, a medical position in the race. That's a great, uh, a great experience, I'm sure. Andy, since we're uh, you were just chatting a little bit, this is not necessarily race related, but just more generally, um, I'm just interested. Real quick, um, do you have any updated information on uh, boosters that people might be getting if they have had the vaccination, breakthrough infections, things like that? Any anything there that just might be of general interest to people? Yeah, so just real real briefly, um, you know, boosters. I don't think we know yet. You know, I know the head of Moderna and Pfizer are saying, oh, you're going to need to get a shot every two months, but I think they're trying to make their stockholders happy. Uh, most of the data I'm seeing is really showing that the vaccines are effective and are probably going to stay effective for a while. I think the biggest issue why we might need a booster is if we don't get cases down around the world, we're going to see, you know, more cases means more variants and more variants. You know, at some point we might have a variant that our, our vaccines don't cover. But so far, the vaccines have done a really good job covering variants. You know, I think in terms of breakthrough cases, yeah, we're seeing them. I've had a good friend of mine, her mom's 90. She had, a, you know, we vaccinated her. She had a breakthrough case. But what we're seeing is the cases are really, really mild. This 90-year-old, I did not think she had COVID. And if you look at the morbidity and mortality of a 90-year-old getting COVID, you know, at first I was kind of devastated, like she got COVID, but, you know, she barely had symptoms. She was, she was, she was doing yoga and Pilates during, while she had COVID. So, you know, we're seeing very, very mild cases. So, I mean, that's why we're still just trying to get, you know, people out there. And, and it really does seem to be, uh, not only is it decreasing cases, but we're really seeing a lot of the hospitals in the Bay Area now don't have any COVID cases in, in them anymore. Um, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. You know, they're like this, a lot of the hospitals are like, yeah, this is the first time that we haven't seen a COVID case in over, you know, almost a year and a half now. So that's where it's really having big effects. And so where will we see you, Andy? Will you be out there on the trail somewhere at some, some, some booth or where will you be at? On race day? Yeah. I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've always hung out at Peachstone. Uh, my wife will be there. Uh, I got to figure out some communication stuff and, uh, I'll mostly probably be at the finish line, but I'd like to get up course a little bit, but I, I got to figure out some of the communication stuff. So, yep. You need, you need to get your ham license, Andy. I, I, I uh, I actually, uh, I, I haven't had time, but I did find a, maybe a workaround solution tonight. I have a new satellite uh, text messaging device that I just picked up. So I, we're going to try that out this weekend. Yep. Nice, nice. Uh, and so, Diana, we're getting near the end of the show. We want to – anything you want to say just to wrap up? And we, we appreciate you being on. I know you've been busy up, up there. Yeah, no, um, thanks for having us. And, um, I mean, it's all good questions. I, I'm sure people are – Anxious to hear as we are to see as what happens um, as we get closer and closer to the race. But I think we we do have we do know a lot more. So I, I hope this was helpful for everyone to find out, you know, what, what we know as of now. I will be at the finish line on race day. So I'll be doing the um, drug testing and uh, yeah, look forward to it and seeing Exciting. everyone. Thank you. And Craig, uh, Thanks again for coming on and getting these, getting Andy and Diana together. Uh, what did we miss? Anything else that you think of that we need to touch on? There's some, there's some questions here. They're pretty interesting uh, in the chat room. One was about 
the money for the training runs and let's see here it is i'm signed up for the training runs just curious where that money goes trail maintenance tool upkeeps other areas just curious and happy to run sunday um there there's been some chatter when when we announced the uh, the raffle drawing which is independent of the lottery drawing or why why are they asking for money and blah 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 blah. we have three three legs to our organization uh there's the race put on the world's best race 100 mile ultramarathon um we have medical research we donate where we dedicate funds to medical research and we've been doing that for 20 years you can see all the studies the papers that have resulted from studies done at western states and then the third one is trail maintenance and trail stewardship of the western states trail and it's not just for the race we do it for the whole community uh we we have a joint program with tevis our our parent parent race not our sister race because we we evolved from them <laughs> and yeah there's both of those outside of the race uh both of those we commit about 20 to twenty-five thousand dollars a year to and where does that money go yeah chainsaws uh, gas and oil we do projects with the forest service usually the forest service the state not so much as are not so much but the forest service has has significant projects like when the, there was a slide uh, on the climb up to devil's thumb a few years ago that repair required funds we we couldn't do that with volunteer work the forest service had to do that we entered those types of agreements sometimes they're 15 to twenty thousand dollars alone for one project so we have reserves we have money that goes uh specifically to that and then the training runs specifically where's the training run go man the training runs at 55 dollars, 50 dollars, and 50 dollars are the best deal in ultra running, I mean, how do you get it? I mean, my God, we don't make any money off that. That you know, our, our accountant would love us to charge more money uh, for the training runs, but but we don't. Um, and, and you know, it it costs money to put on events. It's not just aid station supplies, but it's the buses, it's the insurance, it's I actually make a salary. I have to I have to support my lifestyle here. I have to pay the mortgage. I mean, it's not free. Living in California is a lot more expensive than it was in Oregon. And we have a few paid managers who make a very small stipend a year. They all make their living or have made their living elsewhere. But one yeah. thing about your, your, your crews for your maintenance, maintenance, most, most of us know those guys are, they don't get enough gas in their own cars you know, and their oil and their maintenance of equipment. So there's a lot of costs that the, all the volunteers eat and we're happy to do it. And so there is, there is an extra money floating around. No, for- there's not. And we have, a, we have a very open warehouse. So other groups can use our, our gas and oil and our chainsaws. And uh, yeah, we have a very open sharing uh, warehouse that, uh, that other groups can use and they do use. So if we... <laughs> If we wanted to, as I said in on Facebook, if we wanted to charge $1,500 for the entry fee, we could. And that's exactly what Badwater has done. Their demand is so high. Uh, Chris Cosman, the race director, I, I've sat on a conference with him on the same panel. And his approach is for profit. It's like, I'm just going to raise the price until, until demand e- equals supply. And it was $1,500 for a race that didn't have any aid stations. I mean... Uh, we we have demand that's that's crazy 
So if we wanted to, we could charge significantly more than $410, but, but um, we don't. And, and we're subsidized primarily by sponsorship. Sponsorship dollars have, have significantly increased uh, over the last few years. And uh, yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope people don't think that we're trying to like we're money hungry because we're not at all. You know, we're trying to do what's, what's good for the community and, and, the trails and research and um you know i think i think we're doing good stuff so um hopefully um people can see that and not, and not um not be concerned that we're wasting money or trying to get more money from from runners yeah no we appreciate you and we know you guys are yeah there's a lot there's a lot involved a lot of volunteers there's lots going on so we, we appreciate you guys uh well guys uh it's been a nice show Appreciate you all coming on, Andy, Diana, Craig. Thanks again for this update. It's been a lot of good information. We're a month out. There's a couple of great events coming up. We talked about the, the camp out June 19th and 20th, I believe. So there's still space for that, right? Folks can sign up for that. Absolutely. Yeah, please do. Please join us. And that'd be a great way if you're not in the race or you're not involved. That's a great way to just be around. If anybody knows Auburn, they call it Statesmas. You know, it's like Christmas here in Auburn. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's running. We start to see famous people, you know, in the, in the weeks leading up. So it's kind of an exciting time for us. Uh, all the stores are thinking about uh, eight stations doing events and Auburn is doing the events. So it's a fun time. Uh, thank you guys for coming on. I appreciate everybody. And thank, thank you. you. Thank you guys for hosting yeah. and giving us this opportunity. Uh, we, we really appreciate you guys. Yeah, thank you for doing this. You bet. Absolutely. And you can always find us at themile99.com. We'll have all our episodes and podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram for notifications on what's coming up. And we have a Patreon, of course, if you want to throw down a dollar after listening to our wonderful show, that would be great. We love seeing all of you and answering all your questions. And we'll see you on the trails. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.